Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Applications are now open for the Canadian Export Challenge, CXC 2020, presented in partnership with UPS, the Trade Commissioner Service, and Export Development Canada, along with MasterCard and Scotiabank, and powered by Google Canada, is the first nationwide fully digital pitch competition for Canadian exporters. This year, the Canadian Export Challenge will be accepting all first-round pitches through online video submissions. Don't miss your chance to pitch for up to $25,000 cash and up to $100,000 in support. What are you waiting for? Submit your pitch video now. The free events are open to attend for all Canadian entrepreneurs and anyone interested in learning more about the Canadian export ecosystem. Register at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and change makers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement, and we'll share their first-person adventure stories and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to this show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Tracy Bissett, the Chief Financial Fitness Trainer at Bissett Financial Fitness. Tracy's on a mission to redefine the world's economic future by addressing financial literacy of young adults and entrepreneurs. She does this through her weekly podcast, Young Money, the advice show for millionaires in the making. She also does teaching and delivery of financial courses, coaching and consulting. A native of Nova Scotia, she holds a BCom and MBA, and she's a chartered CFA charter holder. She loves her golden retriever, Rosie, roller coasters and music, especially live concerts. Welcome to the roller coaster, Tracy. Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. What we like to do when we get started here right at the top 
right off the top is talk about what we're going to be talking about so we can let our entrepreneurial listeners who are all very busy um, know that it's worthwhile to stay to the end. So what are the top sort of pieces of advice or insights that you hope entrepreneurs will get from our conversation today? So a few things that I've learned uh, on my entrepreneurial journey. Um, the first is to know your numbers. Uh, most entrepreneurs get into business um, because they're passionate and great at what they do. And sometimes numbers fall to the side. So know your numbers. Make sure you find a community who can be supportive of you in your journey. So that uh, includes other entrepreneurs, coaches, people who have expertise you don't have. And make sure you're always keeping in touch with your customers so that you can pivot your offerings so that you're always um, filling a, a demand that's out there and making sure you're, you're staying connected with those customers. Okay, that's a lot of good stuff. Tell us about you. You've been on an entrepreneurial journey. Uh, what what made you believe that you could be a fitness trainer in, finan in, in finances and in money for young people and entrepreneurs? Uh, well, I was a banker for a long time at, at TD Bank. So working in the areas of commercial banking, commercial lending and risk management. So I was either helping uh, business owners get access to the money they needed, or I was approving those loans. So I saw firsthand uh, how important financial skills were. In my personal time, I was always volunteering with youth um, in a financial literacy capacity and really making sure that people had the skills they had to take control of their lives. And for me, financial education and financial literacy is a fundamental life skill. And until you've got at least some foundation and some sense of questions to ask and a little bit of control over it, um, it can wreak havoc on kind of every part of your life. And so it's really important um, as soon as you can to learn as much as you can so that you can have confidence and accomplish the things that are important to you. Everybody's got different goals. And so it's, it's really important that you can set plans to accomplish yours. So my time at TD Bank came to an end. They were doing some restructuring. And I took the opportunity to think about what might be good for me. And so I thought about all of the things I like. I like money. I like helping people learn about money. I love supporting youth. And I've been extremely passionate throughout my career of working with entrepreneurs. Um, so I packaged it all up to, uh, to start Visit Financial Fitness. And how long have you been doing this? Uh, since 2016. Wow. Uh, Startup Canada has always been a, a big prop proponent of financial education, financial literacy, um, and trying to help Canadians be more aware of money, where it comes from, money, how, it, how, how, how to count it, how to spend it, how to maximize its efficiency. Um, it's a tough thing because it doesn't really get taught in schools or anything. What, what, what would you say is the sort of the, the, the literacy level of, of the Canadians that, that you run into in your business? Uh, I would say on the whole, it's fairly low in terms of knowledge. And uh, for those listening who might be thinking that that's not very good, uh, I just want to let everybody know it's not your fault. Um, as you mentioned, Rick, it's not well taught in schools, and we see that across the provinces in Canada. And a lot the schools generally look to the parents to teach children, but most of the parents aren't equipped because they were never taught. So we're kind of in this cycle where everyone else thinks someone else should be teaching it. And I think the best thing we can do is assess where we are in terms of our knowledge, whether we're an individual or entrepreneur, and think about what, what step can we take today to learn a little bit more. 
We don't need to learn everything, but we can certainly increase our knowledge. And there's never been a better time, I think, in personal finance space and certainly for entrepreneurs as well. Uh, there's so much access to information out there. So you can find somebody who explains things in a way that uh, you get. It's not too complicated. You resonate with them. You can do read books. You can watch TV shows, YouTube, podcasts. There's never been more information out there. So there's really no excuse not to take that first step and, and learn one small thing um, tomorrow learn something else and continue on your journey. I like to view it as financial fitness. I view financial literacy, the term to be fairly negative in that we're lacking something. If we're on a financial fitness journey, we're starting wherever we are and we're continuing on the journey and increasing our, our skill sets and our knowledge no matter where we start. And so it's always from a positive place. It's funny. I've never really liked the phrase financial literacy myself. So I'm happy to support financial fitness as the, <laughs> the way as way as, as the way of the future. So that's terrific. So tell me about who your uh, target market is. Who's your ideal client, and and how do you serve them? Uh, so two markets. So I have my young adult market, which is uh, 18 to 30-ish and people who love them, I say. Uh, so primarily <laughs> I'm serving them through my podcast, Young Money. It's a weekly show uh, where I take the mystery out of money. I interview guests who can bring relevant information. Um, one thing I hear from the research from my listeners is they like to hear from themselves. And so while they do want to hear trainings from me and they want to hear from experts, they also want to hear some of the good stuff their peers are doing and some of the not so good stuff. Um, so serving them with that podcast and uh, certainly creating content for them out there. Uh, the second market is entrepreneurs. Uh, and that's really those entrepreneurs who've realized that they want to increase their financial skill set so that they can do more in their business. Um, I work across all different industries with men and women and some of the key um, discoveries I make, um, generally they're not making much money. Uh, they're not getting paid personally, and they're probably not charging enough for their product or service out there, which is leading to those other issues. And so for me, it's really about where are they in their knowledge level and how can I help them increase it so they can do the things that they want with their business. So I do that through one-on-one -on -one coaching or through group programs. You mentioned something that's always been uh, a, a, a huge issue of mine is entrepreneurs not charging enough for their services. Now, to, uh, that seems epidemic to me, and, I, and I've seen a lot of them like that. Funny, the people who come by my house and offer to, you know, uh, <laughs> seed my lawn or, or fix my driveway, they don't suffer from that problem. But, but so many people no. in the more sort of intellectual economy, um, despite their professionalism, despite their years of experience, they still struggle with that. How, how do you help them? Uh, so first off, it's um, let's look at some external data points. What can we, we look at to see where should you be in the market to see what the market will bear? And then let's talk about um, your time, your knowledge, uh, what is appropriate price and can you sell something um, that fits with what the market will bear that, that reflects your experience? And maybe you can't do it the way you were originally thinking because it's not going to be lucrative. If you're simply trading your time for money, um, sometimes you can't make enough to do that if you're certainly in a consulting or coaching kind of environment. Um, the other thing I like to do is actually break down a product or service for an individual and, and we start with how much are you're charging and then how much does it cost to actually deliver that and um, most times as you've alluded to we find that they're not making any money on the individual product or service let alone all those other costs that have to be covered in a business um, like internet like the location of the premises all insurance all those other things you've got to pay that overhead uh, whether or not you're selling anything uh, so it's really important to get the pricing right 
And it, and it, so so that's one of the things you do is you you work like individually one on one with people to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. What would that cost? Uh, the me? other big thing we. Uh, so if we're going to work over a couple of months, we're going to um, have six to seven meetings completely tailored for you. We're going to work on understanding cash flow, planning for cash flow, uh, reading financial statements, um, strategies around the pricing, and uh, that would run for seventy five hundred for a three month engagement. Very cool. And uh, do you work just in the Toronto area where you live, or can you work with people anywhere across the country? I can work with anyone across the country. Um, I work. Um, primarily remotely. It works quite well with entrepreneurs. As you can appreciate, there's a lot of emotion that comes with money, whether it's individual situations or um, in the business. And so people like to be in their own environment to feel very safe. And uh, we do it um, on on a Skype or a system like that. And often we do it without the camera on so people can feel vulnerable to talk about the things that they're having trouble with. Uh, I would say in probably 90% of the engagements that I work on, there's tears at some point. Sometimes they're happy tears because they've had a breakthrough and and they know how they can fix their business. Sometimes it's uh, shame and and bad feelings around how did they let it get to this point? Um, How are they going to learn? And so uh, for anybody listening, always the engagements uh, with the people that I'm working with, it may have um, some rocky times in the middle, but those who stick with me and we come through to the end, come out with more confidence and a really optimistic outlook for moving their business forward, knowing they have um, more financial foundation, but they have the confidence to ask questions that maybe they wouldn't have dared to ask before. Oh, that's so important. That's terrific. I, I want to talk a little bit specifically about entrepreneurs and some of the challenges that they face. But first, I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier. Um, you mentioned that on your podcast, which reaches a lot of young people, they like to hear um, not just advice, but they like to hear from other young people who are doing things right. So I'm, I'm curious what that looks like. Uh, so can you tell me a couple, about a couple of the people, maybe maybe there were guests you had on the show that, that are just crushing it in terms of uh, financial fitness? You don't have to mention their names or you can if you want. It's up to you. But tell us a couple of those stories. Well, I did um, a couple episode series on young investors, and that was really um so heartwarming and it really showcased some really bright young men, young women who were working part-time during high school. They were going to go on to post-secondary, but whether they learned about it on on their own or they had parents who taught them, they thought that investing was really important. And so they were starting to learn about investing and actually starting to put money in um, RSP product, and then they were getting into different types of funds. They were either getting into um, just general savings and TFSA, tax-free savings account, but some were getting really active in exchange-traded funds. Some were getting into stock portfolios. And one individual in particular, um, he took a gap year between high school and and his post-secondary education, and he amassed a $20,000 investment stock portfolio. And he was always talking to people, getting advice, learning more about the market. And um, he had the best advice for listeners around, well, if you want to do something, figure out a way to do it. Work hard, save your money. Maybe you don't go to as many parties. Maybe it's not as much shopping as you might have done before with those funds. And think about what are your goals and what do you want to do? Um, So he's a super inspiring individual. Uh, We've talked to a couple other young people who have really been great at hustling and kind of the art of the side hustle. Um, So having a primary job after they graduated, they've been doing something else on the side. And for them, it allowed them to open the doors to get into rental property ownership. 
So we've got 25, 26 year olds who are owning rental properties and now having that other source of income coming in. So it kind of insulates them a little bit if they should lose their primary job. Uh, so just great, um, great stories from across Canada, which is really fantastic. I got to ask you, does rental so many parts of Canada, certainly the big cities, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, and uh, a number of others, um, real estate prices have gone up so much. Does 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 rental still work? Because uh, my when I've looked at it, I can't imagine how the math works in terms of making <laughs> money by buying property and renting it out. I think what we predominantly see in the big cities like Toronto or Vancouver, we're seeing people who have rental suites in their homes to just supplement their housing purchase in the first place. So oh. not really from a rental um, property strategy. Uh, but when you're out of those big cities, there certainly is the opportunity to make that work. Uh, one of the young fellas that we talked about, he was in St. John's, Newfoundland, and um, he had his first triplex. He was living in one of the units and, and moving on to, to purchase more. So I think you do have to be in a smaller center for it to be economic feasible um, in this at this day and age. Let's talk about entrepreneurs now. There's so much you have to know as an entrepreneur, and most of us haven't been trained, don't have the BCom, don't have the MBAs, um, in order to understand about money, how to manage it, how it works, how it, how how you use it as a as a tool. So, what are the problems that you see entrepreneurs having in your practice? What are they struggling with now? So really, I, I see kind of two common um, mindsets or approaches to the finances in their business. I see them kind of just totally ignoring them, hoping it's going to work out and, and not doing anything. And then the second group has completely delegated responsibility and all accountability to a bookkeeper or an accountant. And I don't think either of those perspectives serves entrepreneurs very well. Um, by no means do I think an entrepreneur needs to do their own bookkeeping, um, do their own financial statements. Certainly that should be outsourced. But there is an accountability as the business owner to look at those results monthly see what's happening in the business and then make changes based on the, the numbers. And so you need to have that current information to be able to plan proactively. Um, I'm a huge fan of cash flow forecasting and um, looking at how much money comes in, how much goes out, the timing that it happens. And certainly when you have a plan, it's not that it's going to be perfect, um, but it gives you an idea of where there might be some challenges. And most entrepreneurs that I encounter, they're looking at their bank account balance and kind of governing things from that perspective. And so it doesn't give you the full picture because you're not aware necessarily of all the stuff that's going to come up in the future. Uh, so for those people who take that that next step and, and say, you know, I need to increase my, my knowledge here. Um, first, we start with the basics, really getting into what do financial statements mean? What is cash flow? And then how can we actually forecast and plan for things um, so that you can use the numbers as a tool um, to help you grow your business and accomplish the things you want to? Uh, a lot of times entrepreneurs will tell me they can't afford to hire that new person or buy that new piece of equipment. And I'll challenge them on that and I'll say, are you sure? And then we start looking at the numbers and with some few modest changes, maybe it's a couple more sales, maybe it's a reduction in some other expense category. Um, you actually can make those things happen, but without having the data, it's really hard to, to make informed decisions. Right. Have you encountered entrepreneurs who are just, you know, the, 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 their heart is in the business and doing the work and, and practicing their craft and they don't want to know the numbers? They, they you know, they want to bill and invoice and, and, and collect. But beyond that, you know, they, they don't want to they don't want to look at 
the spreadsheets. Are, are there people like that? Oh, yes. Uh, many, many. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's tons of them out there. And so um, I encounter a lot of them and that's everyone's prerogative. People can operate their business the way that they want. That's the beauty of um, having your own business. Uh, the ones that tend to work with me are the ones who realize maybe it's not my favorite thing, but if I want to grow this business or I want to make a certain amount of money so I can support my family, maybe it's because you want to donate money to charity you can't do any of those things unless you're making money. And the best way to make as much money as you can is to know those numbers. Right. I used to uh, run a magazine called Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs. And uh, we, 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 we named the, the magazine Profit. It had been called something else when I joined it. And uh, my thinking was that profit is the beginning of all growth because it's only when you have a profit that you can confidently assume that you can stay in business as long as you want to and do the things you that you enjoy doing and expand it and and grow so so you need to know the numbers in order to find that very elusive thing called profit Mm-hmm. And sometimes people, um, I find it uh, particularly uh, with women, uh, especially if they have a kind of social purpose for their, their business, sometimes they think profit is as a negative thing to talk about kind of like a dirty, shameful thing. But without making money, you limit the scope of how many people you can help. So if you do want to give back to your community, the most money you can make means more you can contribute and give to others. So to me, it's all about the money and not because I think you should be hoarding the money to be super wealthy yourself, um, but it's what you can do with it and the influence you can have and impact around for those who are around you that you want to assist. So I'm thinking here that if there are people who think that working with the, 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 the financial statements, the balance sheet and the profit loss, if they think that's a chore, it sounds like they're looking at it wrong because that's really a power tool. Mm-hmm. It's almost like um, a map to help you get to where you want to go. And unless you, you know where you are, it's really hard to move forward. So um, it depends how you were raised. I mean, people's views around money start when they're extremely young. I've had a five-year-old tell me that money is evil. So imagine what goes on in her house that makes her feel that way because she probably doesn't really know what money is at five years old. Um, So however you were raised and whatever shaped you, that stays with you. And so if you had really negative experiences growing up, that's going to influence your perspective and just your, your gut reaction every time something around money surfaces. But, you know, I would listen to her podcast, Money is Evil, (laughs) with (laughs) five-year-old... And she uh, that was through a girl guide program. So all these little girls are telling me all their views. And then she comes out with that and everybody was like, whoa, that's a different take. That's very funny. I learned my best piece of business advice ever from my daughter's brownie leader. Uh, because, oh, no, sorry, it wasn't. It, 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 it was, it, yeah, it, it, because it, they told us how to sell girl guide cookies. And it wasn't just, would, would you like to buy cookies? because only so many people do, but mm-hmm. would you like to buy these cookies to support girls in guiding? Yeah. And when it was reframed in that way, it was much harder for people to say no. It was just beautiful. And I thought it took this 70-year-old brownie leader to teach me <laughs> how to sell. I was I was chagrined. Uh, I've probably bought hundreds of those boxes of cookies for that reason, not because <laughs> I wanted to eat all those cookies. Exactly, exactly. So what, what, what are the, the things that entrepreneurs should be paying most attention to? Now, uh, we know that 
you don't have time to help everyone who's who's on who's listening on this podcast. A lot of people are going to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so what should they be looking at? How do they lift themselves up by their own bootstraps and 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 get on top of their finances and 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 understand what those numbers are telling them? The first thing that's really important is you actually need to devote time in your calendar to looking at money and your finances in your business. And so for those just getting started, I would encourage you to put maybe a half an hour block of your time each week for this. And so to that end, I've created a a gift for the listeners to help them get started because I know it can be um, intimidating getting started. So if you go to bizmoneycoach.ca, you can download a money meeting agenda that you have with yourself and just to get you started. And so the first meeting might just be, let's look at the agenda and see if I know what the things are on it. Uh, So bizmoneycoach.ca, you can download that to get started today. Um, So have that regular meeting. One of those meetings should be actually going through your profit and loss. So what were your sales? What were your expenses? And then it should also include a look at your cash flow. Um, So the Business Development Bank of Canada has some really great resources on their website uh, around financial management tools and tips. And I encourage anybody listening to check that site out because it's it's a very good resource. But you want to get a feel for the money coming into your business, the money coming out. You can do a very basic spreadsheet on Excel. doesn't need to be complicated. Even when you're getting started, just do it on, on paper. Scratch it out with a pen and paper. Um, just to get a feel for it. You want to get used to what's regular in your business so that over time you can start to detect if something's not trending the way you you know it should be or the way it it should feel. Right. What should they be looking for, though? What are the the, the danger signs or the flip side of that is what are the signs that, hey, yeah, things are going well? What, uh, What should they be on guard for? So certainly a good indicator is what's going on in your bank account. It doesn't tell all the story, but it does tell um, part of the story. So if your bank account balance is continuing to go up and you're paying all your bills, um, that would would lead one to believe that you have profit unless you've been putting money in yourself to kind of supplement things. Um, That would also mean your customers are paying you. So on the flip side, if you've been doing a lot of work and people are pay, pay you after you invoice them, if you're not getting any of that money in, that would be a, a big red flag you'd want to watch for. Um, throughout the course of my career at TD, certainly I've seen businesses go under in as quick as 90 days um, because they were doing a lot of work and had a lot of sales and would have been profitable if the people paid them. But if you don't actually collect the money for the work that you've done, um, it's going to be hard to stay in business. Right, right. Well, when 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 you see that entrepreneurs have a you know basic financial literacy but they want to go a little bit farther what 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 do, what do you recommend um, certainly, I would encourage them to do a forecast, so a, a projection around what do you expect your sales to be every month this year, so that when you're getting there and you see the actual numbers, you can compare. Was I, I thinking about this correctly? Has something changed in the industry that is maybe making the numbers not like I thought? But it gives you kind of a roadmap to plan. Once you've got that sales and expense side covered, then you can actually do the more detailed cash flow planning forecast. And then when you've got that created, it actually allows you to forecast some what if scenarios. What if I hire this new employee? What will that look like? What if I want to buy this new piece of equipment and I'm debating between paying cash or getting some financing? Let me see how both of those options affect my financials. Um, So it gives you lots of then foundation to help you make decisions with confidence. And the goal is not for you to become necessarily a financial expert, but it's allowing you to have confidence in your skills and to make decisions faster 
So you can focus on what you do best, which is running your business. Right, right. How is the entrepreneur accountant relationship coming along? Do you see that entrepreneurs have a good relationship with accountants or bookkeepers? Uh, and are they getting the most out of each other? I think there's still room for improvement. I mean, um, relationships w- have improved over the last few years where I believe accountants have taken it more as their their role to be doing some of that education piece. Um, to be honest, they're just pressed for time. They have a lot of clients and so they can't necessarily spend as much time as they would like with each individual client. I think the opportunity for improvement in the relationship um, and driving that change really needs to come from the entrepreneur. And it starts with asking questions don't just sit in that meeting where they review your financial statements and say, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Thank you. Um, ask the questions you don't understand. Ask them for their advice. If you are starting to make more profit and you're kind of concerned now about taxes, but you're not sure how that's really going to be an impact, ask them what's their advice. Is there different ways that you should be taking money out of the company to reduce that tax burden? Um, and ask them for their, their thoughts on, I'm going to buy a piece of equipment what would you suggest? Should I, I pay for it with cash? Should I get a lease? Should I get a loan? And have them help you, um, give you insight and advice into the decisions that you're going to need to make, but use them as a resource. And so I, I would say accountants are usually pressed for time, um, but the onus is on the entrepreneurs to try to get the support that they need. And I think that when they start asking the, those questions, they'll find that the accountant is really um, eager to help them, eager to help them learn and help them make their business successful. And if you're working with an accountant who's not, I would suggest to get a new one. <laughs> uh, what's the best way to find an accountant? I mean, you know, again, entrepreneurs are busy people. They've they don't like to spend a lot of time searching for things. So in my experience, a lot of them, you know, they'll hire the first accountant they see and then they'll, Mm -hmm. and then that won't work. So they'll just switch to another and another and another. What's the best way to, 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 to build a relationship that's going to last? Yeah, it's really important to find the right fit. It may be frustrating as you're locating the new person, but for bookkeeping and for accountants, the best people to um, get are people to ask for referrals from people you know who are happy with the service they're receiving. I've seen countless number of clients have to pay to get bookkeeping and accounting work redone, uh, and it ends up costing way more in time and way more money in the long run if you, you do make maybe an incorrect Um, pick in the first place. So ask people you know and trust for referrals. If you're dealing with a banker that you know and trust, ask them who they recommend. They're not going to be recommending people who don't do the job well. Um, And you may be surprised if they're charging a little bit more than maybe the person you've been using in the past, but very important to remember you get what you pay for and quality shouldn't be necessarily at the lowest price provider. A lot of people get into entrepreneurship by accident by happenstance they did they didn't intend to be an entrepreneur they weren't particularly prepared and you know they have to learn this stuff on the job so i'm just wondering you 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 were a banker uh for a while and then you became an entrepreneur were there any mistakes that you made in terms of monitoring uh the, the the cash in your business or just setting up the books or did you get it right the first time I think I did pretty well on that side, um, but by no means did I certainly know everything. Um, What I had to come to grips with very, very quickly is that I used to be an expert at a couple things in my roles in the bank. And now as an entrepreneur, I had to take on like 20 different hats and I had to come to grips with, I am not an expert in all these 20 things. 
So it was important for me to quickly go out and build a community of people I knew and trust so that I could get guidance, support, um, pay for, for services when I needed. Uh, and so that ranges anything from sales to coaching to actually physically setting up my books and QuickBooks because I was never a bookkeeper. Um, so being open to getting assistance is really important. If not, it's going to be hard to grow your business and you probably will make some um, some mistakes that can be recovered from and you may make some bigger ones that you can't. Right. Have you seen, are there any business groups or events or anything that help people, you know, ex help entrepreneurs exchange these ideas? I mean, a lot of people, you know, you know, they work in isolation because they, they, they don't get out to the right events. They don't know how to contact other entrepreneurs or places where accountants might be hanging out or whatever, or, 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 or whatever. So, um, are there sort of forums or, or, or settings or communities that you can recommend to people so that they can talk about these issues with uh, sympathetic ears? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to find, um, groups where people have common goals and interests. So at the beginning, as you're sourcing out these groups, you might need to check a few out to find some that you fit better with. Um, particularly in women's groups, there's a wide range of, of groups that are out there and I've checked out a lot. Um, I don't necessarily love them all. So I, I had to do some trial and error and figure out which ones I did like. Um, but some things in a, that would be in every community, like a chamber of commerce, um, become a member there. Everyone that is equally invested in supporting all the local businesses who are members. It's a great way to stay top of mind. You can potentially get clients as well, as well as have that support. They're generally running training courses, have speakers, um, so that you can supplement those skill sets that you need to, um, because there is no expectation that you know everything. Um, Business Networking International, BNI is another group. Um, I've recently become a part of a group, and um, it wasn't necessarily something I had looked at before, um, but now that I'm in the group that I'm in, there's only one person per chair for every um individual role that we serve in our businesses so that referrals will come from the group. Uh, if you're looking for training, there's some great resources out there, whether online or in person. And so no matter where you live, you can certainly get the assistance you need. Great. Now I did, I, I used to uh, uh, attend as a substitute at a BNI meeting that they got up really early. Does your group get up really early? We do. <laughs> we start at seven. So I have to leave about <laughs> six o'clock to get there and, uh, um, so getting, I get up early, but um, being out of the house is different than just being up early. <laughs> we were talking before the show and you said that something about how financial fitness is sort of like learning to drive a car, that it may seem daunting at first, but the more you learn, the faster you can grow, <laughs> go, the, 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 uh, uh, the more, the more options you have. How'd you, how'd you get that metaphor? Cause I think it's really good. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, financial fitness, financial literacy is a fundamental life skill. It permeates every area of your life. It impacts your relationships, your health, everything that's happening. And there's so many things to learn. And so if you're thinking about it, just like if you recall that first time you, you got in the car and you were trying to figure out how to drive, it was extremely overwhelming. Um, but by taking just a look at one thing today, what can you learn? As we talked about, maybe it's just setting that time with yourself to think about what do I need to focus on in my business around money? Then tomorrow, what is the next thing that you can do? So that you're building up this foundation of knowledge over time. There's no expectation that people are going to have it overnight. And also cutting yourself some slack and being kind to yourself 
If you do have a misstep, it doesn't mean you don't know anything and that you're going back to zero. You just have to try again, learn something else. Um, I mentioned that there are so many resources out there in the business finance and personal finance spaces that um, maybe one person that you've been listening to on a podcast, maybe you don't understand the way they explain things switch to another person. There's hundreds of podcasts out there or um, TV shows or articles or, or YouTube, whatever you uh, medium fits best for you and find the person who explains things in a way that you get. That's the most important thing. It has to be about you and no one should ever make you feel uncomfortable that you don't understand what they're saying. If they can't explain it simply, they're not doing their job. Right. Let's just talk about financial statements before we go. Um, what should people be looking at their financial statements for? What are the stories that the financial statements can tell us that we might not be aware of until we get to know them? So once you have your basic understanding of what the financials show, um, so that primarily talking about your balance sheet, which shows all of the, the things that you own, all your assets and all of the, the money that you owe to other people, as well as your, your sales and your expenses, your profit and loss or income statement. Once you know the basics, you can start thinking about different stakeholders in your life, different groups and what they might care about. So if we think about your suppliers and your um, employees, they care most that you have cash to pay them on the day that the bills are due. And really formally, that's called liquidity. There's a couple of financial ratios that you would calculate to look at that. And by setting up a very simple tool, um, you can have those ratios automatically calculated. So then you can be looking at what is the outcome, not necessarily where you compute the numbers, um, to see what people are, are going to be thinking about the organization. Sometimes when you do have suppliers that you have credit with that you pay them later, they may want your st statements before they make a decision if they're going to trust you. Same thing when it comes to lenders. If they're going to give you an overdraft or a line of credit, they too care about that. What's your cash flow situation? What's your liquidity? But if they're going to give you money to perhaps put a mortgage on a building, what they care about is that you've been profitable over time. And so they're looking at profitability, um, your ability to repay the debt. Do you make enough money every year to pay the principal and the interest? The other thing they get worried about is how much of this business is funded with debt? So money that belongs to somebody else versus uh, your equity into the business. And so that's just a quick way to frame it. Um, but when you start learning more and more about the financial ratios, you can really see the story that it tells about the business. And it's not just purely about the numbers, but it's about those takeaways that somebody assessing the business will have. Exactly. We have a lot of uh, young people listening to our podcast because, A, young people listen to a lot of podcasts. And a lot of them are entrepreneurs. They're starting out. I'm wondering what would be your best advice for young entrepreneurs who are just starting out when it comes to money, just uh, in terms of how to deal with it, how to how, how to how to how to understand money. What's your best advice on that? So first off, um, I would say that number one, you want to make sure you have separate accounts. Even if you're doing something kind of as a side hustle and you're, you're still unincorporated, um, have a personal account, have a business account and keep those things straight from the beginning. It certainly makes things a lot easier as you go along. Uh, so keep things straight. Um, the other thing would be look for resources, look for, for guides to help you. Um, if you are getting bigger, you're thinking about getting incorporated, consult um, somebody who knows how to do that, get some help with that. The other thing too is to really validate your idea. 
So it's not that your idea may be bad, but perhaps people will not pay money for it. Maybe there's something out there that already satisfies part of the need. So do some validation of your idea and be prepared to not be stubborn and just stick with your idea because it's what you came up with. But how can you pivot your idea so that it becomes something that the, the market wants? And then the final piece I would say is to start establishing credit in the company's name as quickly as you can. And so when you're starting out, and this is for entrepreneurs of any age, uh, when you're starting out as a business owner, your ability to access credit is going to be pretty much predicated on your personal credit score for a while, but you should be setting up that credit card, that overdraft in your company name so that now the track record of that organization um, gets recorded, you're establishing payment patterns, um, just like you have in your personal life so that in the future, as you continue to grow, perhaps the, the personal tie can fall away and everything can be solely looked at from the business perspective. Perfect. Perfect. I think we've had a great conversation today that the, hopefully will encourage people to be a little bit more proactive and get involved with their finances and see it not as just a a record of stuff that's already happened, but as a tool that can help make a lot of other things happen in future when you really understand it. Um, so what's, just to, just to, to uh, on our way out here, what's the most actionable piece of advice that you'd like entrepreneurs to take away from this conversation and implement in their businesses? Uh, I would like in entrepreneurs to start having that regular money meeting with themselves. And so, as I mentioned, I've got that tool that you can download immediately at bizmoneycoach.ca and put that regular time in your calendar um, and give yourself uh, kindness and slack. And even if the first meeting is just thinking about, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do in this session, but make it a routine in your life so that managing the money and planning for, for the future of the business becomes just a routine like everything else. Fantastic. Tracy, you are my favorite financial fitness coach. I wish you good luck and I hope that uh, a, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and young people continue to, uh, uh, to, to consult you and, and, and learn and that we can all become uh, a, a, a nation of superpowered entrepreneurs and consumers who understand their, their finances, who understand what money can do for them and can make the most of it because the challenges out there are daunting and uh, having this kind of information is invaluable. Thank you so much for being on the Startup Canada podcast. Thank you, Rick. It's been my pleasure. Okay, we'll talk again. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and our upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. Sometimes I show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.